Well, the February report is supposed to be, or at least historically, has been a pretty uneventful report. But boy, it was even more bearish than most trade estimates this past week on Thursday. You get production bumps and cuts to export demand, and I don't think anybody should be surprised to see increased carryout numbers. Also coming up this week, the Lunar New Year starts tomorrow, uh, this being the Year of the Dragon there in China. Celebration lasts all next week, so expect the market to be a bit on the quiet side. They also have uh, apparently a, a big celebration going on in South America as well. So Brazil out of the office as well. We're going to talk about all of it. Coley and Kavanaugh coming up, made possible by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And right now the Farm Bureau is all hands on deck at the State House. I was down there on Monday, got a chance to talk to a lot of people. We've got uh, interesting conversation coming up while I was down there talking with folks. That's really good representation of the extent to which the Farm Bureau is really paying attention to the interests of Indiana farm families. Your membership is one thing that supports that. I would encourage you to consider that. There are a lot of great benefits that go along with it. Go online to it, pays to be a member.org, and uh, see what you think for yourself. David, uh, let's start out with the numbers. Uh, give us some of the basic numbers that we saw in this report, and then we'll talk about uh, what they all mean to the farmer. Yeah, we got corn ending stocks because there's no production numbers this time, no problem. But ending stocks on corn, 2.172. The average guess was 2.1. 146 and January is 2162. So it's bigger than January. How come? Because they lowered the food usage and industrial usage of corn. On soybeans, they came in at 315. The trade guess was 284. January was 284. And the situation there is export demand is dropping for U.S. soybeans. That's the big problem we're looking at right now because everybody's undercutting us price-wise. David, that increase in the bean carryover is a little scary. You know, that's the most embarrassing thing that happened, which is no surprise. This week's export report certainly didn't turn that around. It was pitiful. It was below the lowest guess. Are we looking at eventually seeing this carryover next year go over 400? Because the government's already forecasting or had forecasted 350, and they added 35 billion to this year's carryover. So that takes the 350 up to 385. What happens if we get a few more soybean acres than we thought? Or we have a better yield than we think? Aren't we looking at well over 400? I think so. I think 400, 405 are real easy to see here in the bean crop, given the expectations we have, especially since we don't know for sure what farmers are going to plant on corn acreage at this point yet, especially with El Nino changing. And they're saying it's going to end mid-April instead of mid-June. So that's going to change our wetter pattern this spring. Well, what are you talking about? Cut the spring in half. It's going to be dry early and then wetter, especially May. If that happens happens, then you're talking about maybe picking up fewer uh, corn acres and more bean acres than what the market correct. is currently thinking, correct? Correct. 89 on the beans, 90 on the corn, just like we've seen uh, years ago. We'll see, but it's a little early to know. John, your mantra of it's still early continues to ring in my ears as I look at the market. I think it's difficult for people to say, gee, I didn't see this coming. Pretty obvious it was coming as we look at our exports or lack of. But to take a look at what USDA is estimating for the South American crops, and they come out and they're unchanged. The average trade guess, when you're looking at Brazilian soybeans as an example, trade guess had dropped it down to 153. USDA continues to hammer on that 156. And yet, John, this past week, the Brazilian version of USDA, Conab, came out and said it's 149.4. What's the disconnect there? 
Well, I wish I knew. We probably have the greatest disparity in estimates in that Brazilian craft that I've seen in a long, long, long time. And who's going to be right? I don't know. I, I can tell you this. that Historically, commercials are more accurate than the private trade is. That doesn't mean it's going to happen again this year. But I think the commercial trade is too high. All right. Don't argue that. I think the privates are probably getting a little bit too low because they always kind of get carried away from themselves. So the truth is somewhere in the middle. That average guess of around a 153 might end up being close. Maybe it even drops a little bit lower than that when it's all said and done. Point is, I don't think it matters. Argentina crops getting better. The estimates on the Argentine corn and bean crops, I think, is too low right now. I think that's going to improve. And altogether, South American soybean production, including Paraguay, Bolivia, and Uruguay, along with Argentina, Brazil, is much higher than last year and will be a record amount, explaining why we're looking at a huge buck and a half uh, discount <laughs> of Brazilian beans below U.S. beans and why we're losing so much business. That's what counts, yeah, as you yeah. pointed out. We talk about the Chinese economic situation, but their anticipated imports of soybeans this year is the same as last year. Big difference is a lot less out of the U.S. and more out of South America. And David, another concerning thing that goes hand in hand with that is that estimates from the StoneX Brazilian team anyway, they're saying the Brazilian producer has less than a third of this year's soybean crops sold. The lack of selling is worse on the corn side, they're telling us. Brazil still has 20% of last year's safrina corn crops. So with a lot of it unsold yet, um, you know, it's to John's point here, we got a bunch. And uh, even if it's not as big a crop this year as everybody thinks it may be, or even if it's a little less, still going to be a whole bunch. Yeah, I think we have to uh, give them that because the Brazilian farmers have been always very ready sellers for the fact that the, they don't have the storage down there like we do here in the States. That is a huge problem for them. Now, what's the safrina corn going to look like? Well, they're just forecasting rain right now for Brazil into the next 10 days. But I think the main thing for them is to figure out what to do with this crop and with this excess production they get and where they send it and how they deliver it. That's going to be the whole point. Well, David, I couldn't agree more. This is going to be very interesting because because uh, the South American producers, like the U.S. producers, they missed the top of the market. And so they're hanging out very, very tightly looking for some kind of a rally to come back and give them a higher price. And it hasn't happened so far. And if that continues going into the harvest, uh-oh, what are they going to do with it? They have to sell it. You know, They don't have any choice because they don't have the infrastructure to store it and maintain oh. it like we do here. In Argentina, it's even worse. You know, because yes. uh, it's like a, I understand it's just a, a standoff going on right now is the Argentine <laughs> farmer has sold very little and the processors, they won't buy it. They're both no. in their corners. It's like a poker True. game, right? Yeah. Who's going to make True. the first move? Time will solve that problem. It's going to be fascinating to see how that works out come spring, early summer. Yeah, John, you have always said, hey, watch the bases and talk about somebody making the first move. All of a sudden here, just in the last maybe 10 days, we've started to see a little bit of bases moving here in the U.S., specifically soybeans. Yes, and it's happening to a certain degree in the corn as well. But that's again, it's the same thing we were just talking about. The farmers pretty much miss the market, and uh, they're holding on. They're not wanting to sell, waiting for a rally. But you know, the clock's running. Sooner or later, they're coming to town. Yes. You know, I mean, once we get into the, you know, once we get into the spring and the summer, cash needs and concern about quality is going to force producers to do something. They're going to have to move it to the uh, processor in one form or another. Uh, you'll see a lot of free DT showing up soon. The yeah. prices is going to go up, take some of the carry out, and then the then the commercial is going to start uh, offering some free DP, assuming he has space to do that. And farmers uh, in general, they love free DP, and they'll jump all over it. 
But once they've done that, you know, they've given up uh, the grain, even though it's not priced, they've given up the grain to the commercial, to, to the processor. And once he's got it, you have no choice but eventually to sell it to him. It's out there. It's, it's, it's come to town eventually. But as this basis goes up, and I think it's got more room to go here, for, at least for the next several weeks. You know, I just think the producer needs to kind of sell into that. At least sell the basis, maybe hold off on the futures. I don't know, but I'd certainly capture some of that higher basis. Yeah. David, we talk a little bit about some of the other numbers in there, but, uh, you know, one of the kind of wild cards I don't know that people are really talking enough about is the Energy Information Administration came out this week predicting that renewable diesel production is going to increase by like 30% annually both this year and next. That's got to have an impact. Yeah, what's really interesting is that things like this are going on all the time, and they're actually supportive for the price, especially for soybeans, but people aren't paying attention to it because they're not seeing it happening in their community. They're not seeing it happening across the whole country yet, and when you don't hear people talking about stuff, that's when you pay attention to it because <laughs> that's what's coming in the future, and that's the one thing you have to be aware of. But I'll be honest with you. I think that's the best thing we can do is to get the aviation industry interested in this renewable fuel, especially this uh, diesel that can go into yeah. these planes and other types of add fuel from the grains. Why not? We've got them. Let's use them to make us fly. And if you're really concerned about it, they are low carbon on top of it. So, David, let's talk about beef prices because this week, you know, they just, if they pull back at all, they come back roaring back the next day. And gosh, one one day this week, what was it, Tuesday or Wednesday, beef prices were up right. like $3.50 one day. Right. Well, that's because of the Super Bowl. Absolutely, yes. Because ah. you want to have the snacks available, friends over. <laughs> You're going to have all this beef laid out in the different forms of it. You want to have as much as you can. And the retailers, I think, were a little bit caught short because they were sort of seeing the Super Bowl, well, the weather's not that good. It's too cold. It's too wet. It's too hot. And I think they were caught short with this and all of a sudden there was a buying spree going on in the beef market, which is well-deserved. You know, I was at the Mercantile 40 years ago and I heard these two brokers walking out of the cattle pit and the one says, no one pays attention to the housewife. She's the one that determines our demand. I'm like, That's the thing you want to pay attention to. And with the Super Bowl coming up, that I think is what's causing the beef market to come back. Well, you know, there's going to be 145 <laughs> billion chicken wings consumed during the Super Bowl. That's that's the number. Wow. Now, that just means there's a lot of chickens that are having to walk to work. Don't have wings to fly. Okay, uh, time for Kavanaugh's final words. So, uh, John Boy, what you got for us today? Uh, well, you kind of stole a little bit by thunder with this sustainable aviation field because one thing I've learned over the years is the market always manages to solve the unsolvable. It's the market's of very, very efficient. We've talked about a lot of negatives here, and now we're going from uh, very tight supplies to very plentiful supplies and lower price levels, dropping below the cost of production, etc. So what's going to come along to change that? Well, a lot of things could, but I think one thing we got to keep an eye on is the renewable diesel, the sustainable aviation fuel situation. As you pointed out, Rob, the increase in demand is going to be 30% a year. Is that what's going to solve our problem? Is that what's going to come out of nowhere and suddenly take up all these excess supplies because the price is getting low. There's all other kinds of environmental benefits. Is that going to be the answer to our problem? And I think it very, very well could. The visit each week with Coley and Kavanaugh is made possible by support from the Allen County Farm Bureau, your local Indiana Farm Bureaus, all of them support Indiana agriculture in every single way. From the classroom programs for kids to the state house right now during the current session. 
to make sure that lawmakers really know the important issues to Hoosier Farm families. Now, when you support the Farm Bureau with a membership, you get a lot of really neat benefits, but you're also supporting the farmers that feed us. So please, if you like to eat, even if you're not a farm family, go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.